Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Well, hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Frontline Podcast. I am so grateful that you've joined me again for another episode. It is a beautiful day here in Ontario, Canada. It's early November. It is November 4th, and it's sunshine and 13 degrees Celsius right now. If you're an American, that's very warm in Celsius degrees for up here in the north at this time of year. I remember many, many Novembers where there was snow flying and accumulating and freezing cold temperatures and scraping the car off, all your ice off the car. Uh, But this is insane and I'll take it. I'll take 13 degrees in sunshine. Uh, It's beautiful and the next few days look just incredible as well. So I'm saying thank you, Lord Jesus, for the beautiful spring. Like it's like May, it's like the month of May in November. All I want though is a nice white Christmas. After a nice white Christmas, you know, let let it last till January and then give me, you know, 13 degrees and sunshine again for sure. Uh, Just this past weekend, uh, my son was working. So my wife and I took our daughter out. We just had some places to go around town, uh, some shopping to do and just places to go, things to look at. And we had our 15 year old daughter with us. And uh, you know those times in life when you're just out and about, kind of in the world, you're just existing, and uh, you come across certain situations or people or circumstances that just kind of make you stop and think, you know, man, what has the world become? Uh, The days that we're living in, you know, some joke, you know, here's a sign of the end of the age, right? Uh, You know, the Lord is close, uh, you know, close at hand. His his return is near uh, when you see certain things. Um, because some things just kind of bewilder you and confuse you and even blow your mind. Uh, but we were out and about and we decided, uh, we were near a value village. Uh, I'm not sure if a value village is an American thing. It's like a a secondhand used clothing and furniture and electronics. It's everything used that people donate and then they sell at, at once it used to be a low cost, but even now you can get new clothes at old Navy (laughs) cheaper than use clothes at value village anyways little plug for old navy there but we uh so we went into value village and i've never seen this before but at the front of value village as you're walking into the store they have a security guard and i i was like are you kidding me this is this is the state of our world that value village a secondhand used clothing and material store everything's used nothing is new this is the state of our world where you need to have a security guard at the front of value village it blew my mind maybe you're thinking what's the big deal i don't see it okay fine people people need to be secured at being watched so they don't steal used things and I understand, like I said, it's not as cheap as it, as it was before, but it's like the Apple store. Have you ever walked in, in you know, you're in a mall. Um, I know our mall has a, an Apple store inside and, and that place has like multiple security guards out front and in front of the store and walking around the store. 
Okay, I get it. I understand that. That makes sense because Apple products are very expensive. You know, the MacBooks, the iPhones, all that stuff, it's expensive and people might swipe that. Especially now, the days we're living in, you know, the, um, the way that prices are, gas, groceries, living expenses, uh, everything's skyrocketed. And so uh, it will unfortunately force people to maybe consider stealing now because everything's so expensive they can't afford it which is unfortunate i'm not condoning that i'm just saying when people respond differently to certain situations but anyways come on are you kidding me a security guard at value village it blew my mind i actually took a picture of it over my shoulder and my daughter was like what are you doing you're gonna get in trouble for that uh, i just couldn't believe it i had to take a picture of it maybe i'll post it on my socials sometime speaking of which you can reach me at the frontline man at um, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can connect with me there. I'd love to connect with you on socials. Let me know that you're a listener as well. Uh, you can send me an email standing on the front line at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have prayer requests, I love to be praying for uh, the listeners. Many, many have emailed in prayer requests and I do pray for you guys. And so if you are in need of any kind of prayer, I want to support you in that. I reply to every email that comes in. And so Hit me up, send me an email, connect with me on uh, on socials as well. Saying all that, we continued our morning after seeing security at Value Village. And there's, there's no real Saturday morning accomplished until you do your Costco run. And so we went to Costco. <laughs> you got to stop at Costco. And I said, honey, if we're going to Costco, I'm getting a hot dog and a drink for a buck 50. And so I did. Anyways, we, we go in there. We get our hot dog and get my wife got some fries. My daughter got some fries and we, we got our food and uh, we had our shopping cart and I'm pushing the cart and I'm holding my hot dog while pushing the cart and we're heading on out. And you, you know how there's it's like a funnel, like there's people coming all through to the doors and you got to stop and hand your show the receipt to the security guard. <laughs> there's security everywhere, man. It's crazy. Uh, so so my wife's up ahead with the receipt. I'm with you know, pushing the cart with holding my hot dog in my left hand. So I'm not as stable as I normally am when I'm cart pushing. And my daughter's in front of me and my daughter's walking slow. And she's walking a lot slower than everybody else, including myself. And I wasn't paying enough attention. And I suddenly rammed into the back of my daughter's ankle. And rightly so, she was stunned and said, oh, dad, what are you doing? And, and I said what every good father said. I said, Jalen, what are you doing? You're walking so slow. I literally blamed my daughter. My hot dog flew out of my hand and landed in the top section of the cart where the babies, the toddlers sit in the, you know, the section with the legs. My hot dog went in there, landed on top of our pre-cooked chicken. So thankfully it didn't hit the floor. I still ate it. Had to wipe mustard and ketchup off, off the pre-cooked chicken that it landed on. But I literally blamed my daughter. It was just a reaction, a total reaction of my sinful flesh, man. I ran into her and I'm like, Jalen, why are you walking so slow? She's like, what? And then I had to immediately realize I was wrong. And I had to apologize. I'm like, girl, I'm sorry. I, I, and we were laughing about it after, but I'm maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm the worst father in the world. And you're like, bro, you are horrible. How would you ever even do that? Blame your daughter. It was your fault. I was not paying attention. I confess. <laughs> anyway, so I ate a messy hot dog with very uh, little ketchup and mustard on it. Uh, we made it through and I had to apologize. We are laughing after, but anyways, the funny things that happen on Saturdays when you're out and about with your family, it certainly can be interesting. So saying all that, let's get to today's topic. All right, already. I think we're just getting started. Today, I do want to talk about perspective. Perspective. Having the right perspective in life is something that is really, really important. Uh, this past week, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to get into any details, but it's been a very hard week. Very, very hard week. Uh, not just for myself, uh, for my family. We've had some challenges. Uh, maybe it was something in the hot dog I ate last weekend. I don't know, but uh, it's just been a tough week. It's been challenging. And those weeks come. I, I know you can relate. You have weeks that are great and everything seems to be going well. And then you have weeks that are just really hard. That was one of the weeks that we just came out of, praise the Lord. And by God's grace, we're out of it. Thank the Lord. 
Uh, those times they really do teach you to stay close to Jesus. That's for sure. Uh, but I've I've had to rely upon a really close brother of mine. I've had to rely upon um, my wife this week, um, and ultimately I've had to really rely upon God uh, to really help me maintain a right perspective because it's been really hard. Uh, I've wanted to just look at things in my own perspective, in my own flesh, to see things how they are naturally when God wants me to see things how they are in his perspective through his eyes. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about perspective and uh, proceeding forward in your life with a proper perspective. Because there's a wide variety of perspectives that right now you can take in your life. And it's funny because our flesh wants to just immediately, naturally uh, take the, the negative perspective with whatever you're dealing with. But God wants us to step back and look at things in a different perspective. The word perspective literally means it's a way that we regard situations or the way that we see things. So how do you see things in your life, circumstances, challenges, uh, situations, problems that are in your life right now? What is your perspective? What is the way that you see those things? Because each one of us here listening on the podcast, including me uh, recording this podcast, all of us, if we were given a certain situation or say we all watched the same movie or listened to the same song, and then we were told to write down our perspective of that movie, of that song, Every one of our perspectives would have some difference to it. Some might be way off, like totally different than each other's. Others might be uh, fairly similar as far as the perspective, but there would be a wide variety of differences uh, with our perspectives and how we see things because our perspectives are different. Our perspectives are different. Uh, Sometimes you'll see a, a picture um, you know, if you just Google on online, you can find all sorts of them, but there might be a picture and it's of a guy, you know, holding, I've seen this one before and he, and he's holding by one hand, uh, himself on like this massive cliff. And on his other hand below, he's holding his bike that he must've fallen off of. And he's literally hanging for dear life on the edge of this cliff, uh, with his bare hands. But then, if you just turn the picture around, you can see that the way the picture was taken was he's actually lying down on a rock bed flat surface with this hand just on a top, you know, above him, above his head. And his bike's just laying on the rock below him. And it looks like, you know, so when you look at it that perspective, like the dude's just lying there sprawled out with his bike sprawled out as well. And he's safe. He's not going anywhere. He's in no danger at all. But then this take that same photo, turn it around, and now it looks like he's in great danger because of the perspective. And that's how perspective is. Our perspectives can change, but it all depends on how we look at things will determine your perspective. So you see things one way in your life, you know, and you're unsatisfied, you're insecure, you're afraid, you're uncomfortable, you're confused of how things look, but maybe... You just need to turn the picture, like we just talked about, to a new perspective. Maybe all you need in your life right now with how you're seeing things is to just make a slight adjustment in how you see those things. And then suddenly you have clarity and confidence in exactly what you're looking at. That guy's not in danger. Now I see with a right perspective, how the picture was actually taken. Does that make sense? It all determines on how we look at things. It's all about perspective. And I know that's easy to say, trust me, I struggle with that, but that's where you rely upon God and friends and people that love you to help speak into you a new and a fresh perspective. So I want to remind you of some Bible verses. I always love the Bible. Here at the Frontline Podcast, I'm always wanting to bring as much Bible, again, in a very simple way. I'm not some theologian. I'm, you know, I'm a very simple man. I love preaching God's word. I love encouraging with God's word. I know I need God's word, and I love to present it in a simple truth uh, and an understanding way for you because that's the way I need to understand it as well. So you get what you get here on the front line. But I want to look at some uh, some Bible verses here, and this is going to provide us some truth. If there's anything that we ever needed to keep a right perspective, gentlemen, it's truth, not opinions, not uh, you know what's charting on on you know on social media, what's trending, all these, you know, popular uh, pop, 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 
Wow, that's a hard sentence. Pop culture, uh, you know, state of minds and opinions and thoughts and all that stuff. We want truth. We need truth. And the word of God is the truth that we as Christians, we rely upon God's word because God's word is truth and it will help shape and give us the right perspective that we need. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Again, these are verses to help with our perspective on our life that we're living here on earth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. Notice that he's speaking to Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents. Other versions of the Bible say aliens or sojourners. We are just temporary. The word sojourner means temporary resident. We are not of this place. You're like, yeah, but we live here. Yeah, I understand that. But we are very, very, uh, our life is very temporary here on planet earth. We are temporary residents according to to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're not of this world. We literally, gentlemen, we are just passing through heaven and the new earth. Heaven and the new earth that one day God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth. That is the perspective we need to have as we navigate through this life. Our life on earth is very temporary. Our final destination, our final and our eternal destination, gentlemen, is the new earth where we one day will rule and reign with Jesus Christ on the new earth. And everything will be beautiful and wonderful. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more Uh, evil. There'll be no more sickness, no more death. We will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ who will reign as Lord King of the new earth for all eternity. That is the perspective that we need to hold on to as we navigate through this very, very temporary time on planet earth right now. Amen? We are temporary residents. Listen to Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 2. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, in other words, since you have decided to follow Jesus in your life, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. God is telling us to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, there's a sentence, I forget who quoted it. You might know it, but there's a quote where uh, we do, we can't be too heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. And there's some serious truth to that. We don't want to just be these type of Christians are kind of like weird. Uh, they walk around and all, you know, all they talk about is, is, is the things of God. And that sounds kind of bad for me to even like say that I'm not looking down on that, but you can talk so much about heaven and Jesus and God and eternity and, and, you know, holiness and righteousness and for, and all these, the things of God, which is really good. Don't get me wrong here, but, but we also need to talk about normal things of everyday life. We can't just be so heavenly minded that people don't relate with us. They, we don't come down to their level. They're going to think that we think we're better than they are. Cause all we talk about is heaven and Jesus and eternity and all these things, which are true and good and incredible. But we don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. But at the same time, we don't want to be so earthly minded that we just we're no witness or example of Jesus Christ at all. We want to have a balance. But we are told here to think about things of heaven because heaven and the new earth is our true final home. Amen. It's awesome. The right perspective, gentlemen. First John chapter two, verse five, five, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Yeah, you can have them. You can enjoy them. But don't love the things of this world. Don't become so attached to the things of this world, the material possessions and the things of this world. God is telling us, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, those are the main ways that people are living on this planet. What they see, what they feel, what they crave, their their sinful desires, that's what they're living for. God is saying here, all of that stuff is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. 
But he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, he who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, surrenders their life to God, turns from their sin, believes that Jesus Christ paid the price for their sin, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. The will of God is that in a nutshell. They abide forever. But the world and all the world system is passing away. It is passing away. That is the perspective we need to have. Heaven and the new earth is our forever home. This world, we're just passing through, and this world is going to pass away with all of the lusts that are in it as well. One day, this very planet that we enjoy is beautiful. Planet earth is beautiful. God has created a beautiful planet for us to enjoy in his love, he's given us this incredible earth with all the beaches and the, the lakes and the rivers and the forests and the mountains and all the beautiful animals. It's incredible the am, uh, amount of animals, even that they're discovering now under the sea and above in the air. It's incredible. God's creation, all the amazing cities and historic buildings and structures and the tourist attractions, all the state-of-the-art facilities one day are going to be completely gone. All multi-billion dollar businesses, gone. Every single dollar bill and every coin, gone. Every single mansion, every home, every condo, every sky rise, every baseball stadium, every hockey arena, every museum, and on and on, completely gone. Every single diamond, every single piece of gold, every single jewel, gone. Every Rolex watch, every single car, every phone, every career, every hobby, every sports team, every government leader, every single thing, everyone, all of this stuff one day is going to be completely gone. All of your social media content, all of your YouTube videos, all of your social media followers completely gone, eliminated, gone. You ain't going to receive none of that from the cloud anymore. It's gone, right? You lose something now, you're like, oh, maybe it's in the cloud. That day, when that day comes, it's gone forever. (laughs) Gone. That is reality. That is the true perspective. Right now that we got to remind ourselves of, we can lose track of this reality so quickly. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth, listen, both the earth and the works that are in the earth will be burned up. The earth and the works in the earth will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That is the question. In light of reality and this perspective that one day everything we know, everything we see, everything on this earth and this earth itself will be burned and dissolved, completely gone. How should we live? What are the kind of men we are to be now as we have life? The Bible says to be in holy conduct and live in godliness. Amen. That is the right perspective. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is true. We are looking eternal perspective, a forever perspective for new heavens and a new earth with Jesus Christ for all eternity. Amen? Because life on earth is very short. We know that verse in James 4.14. It says that our life is like a vapor. It comes and it goes just like that. Now, David, in the Old Testament, he's an old man, and he gives a passage of scripture here, which is excellent perspective to live by. I'm going to share this with you. These are wise words from David, and they are excellent words to to keep as a perspective for my life and for your life. It's found in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10 to 15. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. 
Oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone and you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave to us. We are here only for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us, our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. That is an amazing passage for you and I to read over and over again. First Chronicles 29 verses 10 to 15. That was the New Living Translation. That is a fantastic perspective for us to live by. Everything is God's. Everything comes from God. Everything is under God's authority. Yeah, enjoy your life. Have fun. Enjoy all the blessings and good things that God has given to you. But remember, it's all because of God and his grace. Amen. We're only here for a moment, he said. Our days are like a passing shadow. Life is so short. Life is so short. And we're just racing through. And we're aliens. We're foreigners. We're just passing through this temporary earth as temporary residents. And we need to remind ourselves, and this world needs to remember, that we are not God. He is God. And everything comes from God and everything we have opportunity to do and to enjoy and to experience comes from God because of the grace and mercy of God. Everything you have, every person in your life that you love, it's because of the goodness of God. Everything that you enjoy is because of the goodness of God. He is God in heaven. We are here on earth. You are not God. Don't call the shots for your own life. God calls the shots. We submit to him. He is God. We are not. That is our perspective. Amen? Amen. Because life is short. We are God's creation. He is the creator of all things. Praise God. He is the potter, the Bible says, and we are the clay. He's taking us as clay and he's molding us and he's breaking us down. Right? Do you ever feel like that? Oh God, you're the potter. Okay, I submit. I'm the clay. I know I'm just a pile of mud. And God literally has to break you down in order to build you up again. Listen, I've experienced times like that where God in his love, not in his discipline, not in his anger, in his love, God is breaking me down. He's pounding me down. He's pushing me. He's molding me. He's conforming me. And then he begins to shape me into the man that he wants me to be, into the man that I need to be in order to fulfill his purpose and plan for my life. I am the clay. He is the potter. And yet you're going to go through some hard and painful times where God is pressing you, but it's all so that he can create create you and make you beautiful and perfect and strong and shaped exactly how you need to be in order to fulfill the purposes of God. It's awesome. That is our perspective. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven. You are here on earth. So let your words be few quiet down a little bit. Sometimes we talk so much. Sometimes I talk so much about all the things I want, all my disappointments, all the things I need. And yeah, you know what? It's legit. It's real. And okay, fine. I get it. It's real. God understands. It. But but he's God. I'm just a man here on earth. I don't want to ever take the, the position where I feel like I'm in any position to figure out my whole life. I can't. I need God. He is God in heaven. I'm here on earth. So I'm just going to shut up and Lord, let you be God. (laughs) That's a pretty good perspective too. I'm just going to shut my mouth and I'm going to let you be God because your ways are higher than my ways, God. Your thoughts are different. You do things different. You see the big picture, God. I don't. I don't have a clue. I'm just stumbling forward, trying to trust you And God, your faithfulness is what I rely upon. That is a good perspective to have. We don't want to lose that perspective. Amen? Psalms 115 verse 3, our God is in heaven 
and he does whatever pleases him. Yes, he does. And on that note, I'm going to have a sip of coffee because that pleases me. What a perfect verse to transition into a coffee sip. Excuse me. (laughs) So, a true and correct perspective of humans and our world that we live in, like we've been talking about, God is God. We are his people. He's in control. We are not. We trust him and he is faithful. That's a good perspective. So I want to give you six negative perspectives. Okay, these are six negative perspectives to live by. You don't want to live by these perspectives. Number one, my life is successful when I am rich. That is a negative perspective to have. I will truly be successful. I will experience success when I have money, cash flow, dollar bills, when I am rich. Do not have that perspective. So many people, I would say the majority of people on our earth have that perspective that that having lots of money equals success. On one level, it might, but not on the grand scheme of things. I'm sorry, you're wrong. That is not true success. That's just money. That's just wealth. There are so many other character traits and valuable things that we can have and be a part of and act in uh, certain ways with personality, all sorts of things that are much more valuable than money. So don't have that perspective. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine to 10. Those who desire to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did you hear that? Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They once believed God, loved God, trusted in Jesus Christ, trusted in the word of God, the truth of God. And because they wanted more money, it actually led them astray from the faith they once believed. They wandered from the faith towards money, towards a life of riches and money. And the Bible says these people plunge themselves into ruin and destruction. And we read there that the love of money, notice it is not money. I am not against money. In fact, I'm believing God for a bit more money in my life right now. I I would like some more income stream coming in. I could use some more income. God knows that. But that's not why I live. That's not my purpose and my where I find my value and my you know, definition of success for my life. Not at all. It is the love of money that is destroys people. Have money. Yeah, enjoy money. If you're blessed with money, God, God, you know, is expecting you to be a blessing with your money for others as well. I'm just saying, but the love of money, that's the root of all kind of evil. That is what leads people astray from the faith and they pierce themselves with many griefs. So do not have the perspective that you will be successful when you are finally rich. That is incorrect. You know, this idea that I'm successful when I'm living in my dream house or I'm driving my dream car or working my dream job. You you never want to live with that perspective. That is a negative perspective to live by. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So if you are all about money, it's because your heart's there. If you are all about God and loving God, not perfectly, but it's the number one thing, it's because your heart's there. Your heart is towards God, not money, not riches, not all these things. Listen, all your phones, all your all your material possessions, that nice house, that new car, it's going to rust away. It's going to burn one day. It's going to d- be destroyed by, by moths or dust or thieves are going to steal it on you. I'm sorry. Like my first car when I was 17 years old. Someone broke into it through the night, took off all my custom pedals, four screws in every pedal. They took all 
pedals off my pedal all my pedal covers off they took my racing knob on my stick shift they took my stereo my cds my compact discs <laughs> they left me i think they took my tennis racket they left some change thankfully in my ashtray that i use for a change tray people steal man things don't live for material possessions you will lose it one day the second negative perspective to live by is i am who people say i am do not say, do not define yourself by who people say you are. That is negative. I am who people say I am. People's opinions of me define me. I need to please people so they like me. I need people to always speak well of me. Don't have that perspective. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to agree with you. Not everybody is going to love you and everything about you. I'm sorry. So stop trying to get this idea that you got to please people. You got to make everybody love you. It's not going to happen. That's a negative way to live by. Galatians 1 verse 10. Paul says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Notice that he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus Christ. He was more concerned. We need to be more concerned about pleasing God, not people, not people. That's all that matters. All you need is God's approval, gentlemen. That's all you need. People can think what they want and say what they want about you. All you need is God's approval. Amen. A third negative perspective to live by is living in a daydream of comparison. We can find ourselves so often living in a daydream of comparison. I need to be like them in order for me to be happy in my life. I need to have what they have and then I will be happy and satisfied in my life. I need to look like they look and then I will be happy and successful. This is a negative perspective to live by. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You are wonderfully made just as you are right now. Sure, you might be a little rough around the edges, kind of like me, but all in all, God has designed you. The Bible says he knit you in the womb of your mama and you are designed perfectly, fearfully and wonderfully made by God. So don't compare yourself or your life with anybody else. That is a negative perspective to have in your life. A fourth negative perspective to live by is God's done with me. I'm all washed up. I'm too old. I'm too sinful. I'm too young. I'm too single. I'm too married. <laughs> Whatever your perspective is, it's too late for God to do anything great in my life. Sometimes we can feel that way. And if I'm honest with you, I'm only 40. But there's days, listen, listen to how I say this. There are days where now as a 40-year-old man, where I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm 40 years old. Like, how am I 40 years old? And then there's days where it's like a different perspective. Wait a second, I'm only 40 years old. I got lots of gas in the tank. <laughs> it's funny how that works. You might feel that when you're 50. You might feel that when you're 20. How am I 20? I thought I would be way more successful by 20 than when I was, you know, 18, whatever. Trust me, if you're 20 listening, you got lots of years ahead of you. You're in good, uh, good shape uh, to do some good things still from God. But sometimes you can feel like God's done with me. It's over. It's too late. You don't want to live by that perspective. And listen to me specifically now. If you're an older man, I don't know. I think the 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 uh, majority of men who listen are between like the age of 30 and 40, I think, uh, based on analytics, but what do they know? But if you're an older man now, or if you feel old, or if you're just feeling like you're just too far gone, or you're too ugly, or too sinful, or too far away from God, you've made too many mistakes, all these things, uh, and it's too late, or God's just, it's impossible for God to use you, let me encourage you with this, okay? Moses, if you know your Bible, God used Moses to deliver the people of Egypt from slavery after 400 years. Pretty big deal. 
Moses was 80 years old when God called him to do that. And Aaron, who went with Moses to help him, Aaron was 83. So they had two like geriatric old men go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. (laughs) (laughs) Moses, in fact, Moses, you know, in the Bible said, Lord, I can't even talk. I'm a bad speaker. I'm I'm a bad talker. I can't talk very well, Lord. And God's like, okay, I'll send send Aaron with you to help. He'll be your voice. And God at one point said, I'll be your voice. I'll help you speak. But they're like, I could see them like, you know, going up with their, in their cane and they're, you know, may rolling up in their wheelchair, you know, let my people go. I'm sure it wasn't like that. In fact, I know it wasn't like that. They were very strong and healthy and, you know, but they were old, 80 years old in our perspective, 80 and 83 years old, but God used them. It wasn't too late for them. Daniel in the Bible was well over 80 when he served as one of the three governors over the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel was over 80 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. Imagine that. He wasn't some young buck who could try to fight off the lions. That's why God, you know, shut the mouths of the lions for him. He's an old man sitting there with a bunch of lions. In his natural state, if in if God didn't intervene, he's he's dinner. He's dinner for those lions, but he was over 80 years old. He also received visions from God as an old man. Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah, his wife, was 90 when they made a baby. They physically made a baby at the age of 190. (laughs) That's physically impossible unless God comes through. God came through for them, even in their old age. God still uses old people. Psalms 92, verse 12 to 14. This is for you, you old man. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. Notice that? You old men, you are fresh, baby. You are like a greener. You are new. You are fresh. Even in your old age, they'll still bear fruit for the glory of God. Amen. So if you feel old or if you are numerically old in your life, God can still use you. Amen. You need to hold on to that right and true perspective. A fifth negative perspective to live by, I am defined by the job that I work. Right? When you meet you know, new people, most times the very first thing or a couple things that you learn about them, uh, you know, hey, what's your name? Hey, good. Nice to meet you. Hey, what do you do? And then you start talking, oh, I'm a construction worker. I'm a, I'm a dentist. I'm a whatever, whatever you do. And so often men define, especially men, they define themselves based on their job. Your job does not define you. That is, that is the way that you make money to provide food for your family and a house for your family and clothes for your family. You are working as a source of provision for your life. Your work does not define who you are. As Christian men, you need to understand that first and foremost, you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul says, I am Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you when people come to you and say, hey, what do you do? Who are you? What are you all about? First and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you know what? I'm guilty of that. I I don't do that very often. And I need to. What, What really, what perspective am I? Hey, who are you? Who are you? What do you do? It's fine. You can say, you know, oh, I, I do this for a living, but who I am, that's not who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a lover of God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be more like that, to be more in, in tune with the right perspective of who we are. And do not, let, gentlemen, do not allow your job and what you do for money, for a paycheck, to define who you are. If you are working honest work, it doesn't matter what it is, God is pleased with you. But it still does not define who you are. That's just simply to make money, to, to, to live. You're just working to live. You're not living to work. You're living for God. Amen? So the last and the sixth negative perspective to live by is I am too imperfect and I have too many flaws. I've made too many mistakes in my life. And what you need to understand, gentlemen, is that your mistakes, your sin, your shortcomings do not define who you are. 
Yeah, you sinned. Yeah, you make mistakes. Yeah, you fail miserably. But that does not define who you are. God defines who you are in Jesus because of what Jesus has done for you. Your life is hidden in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches. Your life is not defined by your sin. Your life is defined by God. And listen, when you fail, when you sin, when you miss the mark, when you have shortcomings in your life and you will have these things, you need to understand that God has grace for you. We know the song very well amazing grace for you. That's why it's called, the song is called Amazing Grace because it's amazing. It's amazing. His grace. It is. It really is. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Did you hear that? Another version says, when sin abounds, God's grace more abounds. But this version says, when people sinned more and more, so more sin, more sin, more sin, God's wonderful grace becomes more abundant. So this is telling us, gentlemen, that even if we're really struggling in a season of sin and we're really, really struggling in sin and failing God, where people sin more and more. God, I keep failing. I keep sinning. I keep sinning. Well, God's grace keeps abundantly being offered to you more and more and more. His grace is bigger than your sin. God's grace is bigger than your sin. God's grace is greater than all of your, all of your weaknesses. God's grace is bigger than all of your shortcomings, all of your failure, all of your mistake, all of your sin. God's grace is amazing and his grace covers you where sin abounds and grows more and more. God's grace grows more and more abundantly for you and for me. Amazing grace. Amen. You need to hold on to that perspective. And just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has grace for your sin. Listen, Noah, Noah on the ark with his family, they got off the ark. He became a farmer. He grew a vineyard. The Bible does not say that having a couple drinks here and there, uh, you know, some wine, whatever, drinking is not an initial sin. But drunkenness is drinking too much where you feel tipsy and turvy and you're now drunk. You're losing your state of mind. That happened to Noah. That is a sin. Noah got drunk and he like fell down in a drunk stupor naked in his tent. Not sure why he was naked, but I guess maybe some People, when they get drunk, they like to be naked as well. I don't know. <laughs> they go hand in hand sometimes, I suppose. But Abraham Abraham in the Bible, he lied more than once. He, you know, he, he claimed more than once that his wife in a certain town was his sister. Uh, he did it to protect her, but he lied. Abraham lied. Jacob lied to receive a blessing. Samson was a, a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Isaiah was a man of unclean lips. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples fell asleep while praying while Jesus was in a, in a time of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane where he needed his disciples, his friends, to be with him, to pray with him, and they fall asleep. Martha worried you know, Jesus is like, why are you worried so much, Martha? Just sit at my feet. Just be with me. And the Samaritan woman at the well was divorced more than once. And there was grace for each one of them. Your sin does not define you. Their sin does not define them. It's part of their story, but it doesn't define who they are and it doesn't define who you are. Do not live with that perspective that you are not good enough for God. You are not good enough in one perspective in your own ability. I'm not good enough in my own ability, but by the grace of God, because of the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, that the price he paid for my sin, <laughs> praise God, that makes me good enough. In Jesus, I am good enough, not in Matt Noel. 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 John 1, verse 9 to 10, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Don't say, I've not sinned. I'm not no sinner. I'm, oh, I'm good. I'm clean. My life is right. I'm not struggling, you know, with any kind of sin in my life. I'm clean before the Lord. Yeah, in one perspective, you might be right because of Jesus Christ. But don't say that you've not sinned. You make God a liar and his word is not in you. Let's be real. Let's own our sin. Let's say, you know what? This is my sin. This is my failure. This is my shortcoming. God, I need your grace. And there's grace for you. So how do you see your life, gentlemen? What is the perspective right now that you are having of your life? Once again, it's different for all of us, but what is the perspective? What is the lens that you were looking through in your life? There's, a, there's this really cool picture. Uh, you can find it on, on Google. Uh, you can find anything on Google, unfortunately. But if you there's this picture where these two guys are looking down on the ground, and on the ground is a massive number six. And the guy on the bottom of the six is looking down at it, and he says, this is the number six. But his buddy on the top of the six is looking down on it, and he says, no, 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 you're crazy. This is a number nine. He's like, no, 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 look it, it's a six. No, look it, you're not looking right. It's a number nine. But then they switch positions, and now the guy who thought it was a nine is now standing at the bottom of the six, and now he sees, oh, yeah, it is a six. And now the guy's like, oh, yeah, at the top of the... At, at the top of the six, now he's like, oh, you were right. It is a nine. You see, it changes based on how you look at it. It all depends on how you look at it. Your perspective changes. You got to look at it in the right way. <clears throat> I remember growing up in, in school, they still do it today uh, in science class, those days where you do these uh, times, these lab times where you look through things on a microscope and you take little specimens and little little microscopic things and you'd stick it on the tray under the light and you'd look under the lens in the microscope and you'd, you'd have to dial in, you know, the the wheel on the side of the microscope and it would kind of go in and out. And and sometimes you'd have to change the, 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 the height of the glass where the tray with the specimen sitting. You'd have to, you know, adjust everything. You're adjusting the lenses. You're adjusting the light. You're moving it up and down, you're, you're, you're tweaking it to get a good perspective until it finally comes into clear view where you can see now what you're looking at. You might look at it and it's all fuzzy, but then as you dial it back a little bit, it now comes into perspective and you can see. And sometimes in our lives, that's what we need to do. We need to de determine uh, what adjustments do we need to make right now in order to get the right perspective so I can see things clearly. Let me say that again. What adjustments in your life right now do you have to make in order for you to see things more clearly? Maybe things are hazy. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you're too tired. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe you're burnt out and you got to adjust some things maybe in your schedule, in, in, your, in your spending habits financially. I don't know, in your relationships. Maybe you got to make some adjustments in your marriage, in the relationship you have with your children. Something's off. Something's blurry. It's not in in line. It doesn't make sense. It's confusion. There's, there's blur all around. What change do you have to make in order to have a new perspective, to see things clearer? It all determines, listen, on what lens you are looking through. What life, what lens are you looking at your life with right now? What lens are you looking at your life through right now? Are you looking at your life and everything in your life right now through the lens of your flesh? What you feel, what you sense, what you see, what you touch? Are you looking at life through the lens of society and culture and Hollywood? Are you looking at your life through the lens of your social status or your financial net worth? Are you looking at the, your life through the lens of your emotions and your feelings, like we just said? Or are you looking, gentlemen, at your life right now through the lens of God's word and his truth for you? That is the lens we must remain looking at our life through the lens of God's word and God's truth. Because listen, some, some of us right now, all of us, we can make a list of all the things right now that we need to see change in our life. Starting with me, I've wrestled with this a lot. 
And sometimes that can be very intense where you, you know there's things that need to change, but you don't know how to change it. You know there's things that need to be adjusted, but you don't know how to adjust it. And you can make a list of all these things that need to change, but then you need to step back and make a question. Maybe these things don't need to change. Sometimes they do. Maybe it's not now. Maybe it's down the road or maybe never. Maybe what really is needed here is a new perspective. I need to see this through a different lens. I need to clean off my lens. I need to get my perspective straight. And this is easy to say, but it's really hard to do. And this is where we depend fully upon God. This is where we rely fully upon the Holy Spirit to come and help us look at things, look at relationships, look at financial struggle, look at job struggle, look at health struggle, look at the perspective of things happening in our lives with a new perspective. God, help me see this through your eyes. Help me see this with a fresh perspective, God. It's like we talked about when you're zo- when you're too zoomed into something, it's all blurry. It's too big. It looks, you can't tell what it is. But then when you zoom back and you look at it from a, a far back perspective, you now see things differently and more clearly. You can see this again. Oftentimes there's there's these, you know, illustrations you can walk through where it'll show you a picture of something really far in, up zoomed in, up close, and you have no idea. You start to guess what it is and uh and you and you take your guess and then you show the next picture and it's zoomed out a little bit further, you know, back to you with more clarity. Ah, I think I might know what it is, but it keeps going back, back, back until it's in full perspective. And oh my goodness, now I see what I'm looking at here. I couldn't tell. I was so focused. I was so zoomed in. I couldn't tell what I was actually looking at here. But now that I'm zoomed back, now I can see things clearly. Kind of like that old song, right? I can see clearly now the rain is gone, right? You need a new perspective. You got to step back in order to get a new perspective. So what is the perspective that you are looking at in your life right now? How are you seeing things in your life? I want to encourage you as we close this podcast with a few practical ways to help you with your perspective. Number one, number one, absolutely number one, tell Jesus everything. Tell Jesus everything. What is it right now that you are struggling with in your life? What is it that you think needs to be changed? What is it that your perspective that you're looking at, your perspective needs to be changed? Tell them specifically. If it's a relationship, if it's a a sin struggle, if it's money, if it's stress, if it's health, if it's your job, if it's whatever it is, Lord, this needs to change. God, please either change this or give me a new perspective, but tell Jesus everything. Secondly, meditate on God's truth. Make that your primary focus in your life. Not the opinions of people, not the opinions of social media, the news, even your own thoughts, but truth. Meditate on truth. And thirdly and lastly, tell somebody your perspective. Somebody that you love, somebody that you can trust, somebody that won't judge you, but they'll listen to your perspective and then allow them to speak into your perspective to help give you a new and fresh perspective. Tell Jesus, meditate on God's truth and tell somebody your perspective and allow them to share their perspective. And by God's grace with that recipe, you can then have a new perspective on things. Or God might very well change that thing, whatever needs to be changed. Listen, I know this is easy to say, and I know these times where our perspective is all hazy and unclear and very nerve-wracking and confusing. That's a really hard, uncomfortable place to be. I get it. But navigate forward with the Lord and his grace and ask the Lord, God, if you're not going to change this, help me, Lord, to see things with a new perspective. I hope this encourages you today. I hope that you're challenged. I hope that you're strengthened in your faith. Thank you again for joining me. Hit me up on socials. Can you do me a favor? Can you leave a rating on Spotify? Leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, 
if, if you've been encouraged, share this with your friends. Let them know, hey, there's this podcast. It really helped me out uh, and it might help you out too. I'd really, really appreciate that because I want to see this thing just continue to spread like wildfire, baby. But thank you for joining me. God is good. I really appreciate you. If you need prayer, email me, standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. Until next time, gentlemen, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining me on The Frontline. We're done here. Time to go. I hope that you were challenged, equipped, and encouraged to remain standing for Jesus, your marriages, your families, and the plans and purposes of God for your life. I am prepared. I'd love to connect with you. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at The Frontline Man. Follow me and you're in good company. Watch the podcast on YouTube. Watch it. And also email me questions, comments, or prayer requests at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. I just want to talk. One more thing. If you could please leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this would really help spread the word of the podcast to other listeners around the world. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. Until next time, gentlemen, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God. We stand ready.